Again, uh, welcome to Maranatha, and especially those who are visiting. I know there's a group from Iowa and Indiana and, uh, uh, you know, all those other states, and maybe some of you are from Minnesota, but we love you even if, even if you're from Minnesota. Uh, just if you are visiting or if you have a prayer request, there are yellow sheets. I believe they're in the back now. So in the lobby, there are yellow sheets that you can fill those out and maybe leave them in the back in the, in the foyer there. And then if you have any requests or if you've just changed your address or email or phone number and you'd like the church to keep in touch with you, uh, make sure you fill those yellow sheets. And as uh, we don't pass the offering basket, but uh, that's still uh, what a privilege to give to the Lord a portion of what he has blessed us with. So we have our offering box right between those two doors as you on your way out. So if the Lord leads you to uh, give an offering to the Lord, uh, you're welcome to do that. And we thank, thank the Lord for opportunity of being able to minister or to serve through giving. I have a few announcements that um, uh, some of them are in your bulletin, but uh, today, after, after the discipleship group and Sunday, oh no, no, there's no Sunday school, but after the discipleship group, at 12.15, we will have the baptism service at Silver Lake, and this has been announced in the past uh, few Sundays, but uh, we'll be at the Grand Park Pavilion, and we're going to have a meal together, so it's a potluck. Uh, so bring something to share. But uh, the kitchen staff has said that we should not bring any mayo or cream or milk or eggs just for safety. If you don't know where this place is found, there will be maps available at the welcome desk. So pick up a map to... Uh, Silver Lake, if you don't know where that place is. Then, uh, today will be the last session for the discipleship group. After this week, we won't have any until Labor Day weekend. I mean, sorry, Labor Day, after Labor Day. So it's going to be uh, September the 10th. So when we're going to start another round of discipleship group. Uh, there'll be a women picnic and log rolling on Tuesday, August the 22nd. Uh, it's all up there. So it's going to start from 5 to 9 p.m. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, check with Leanne. The phone number is there. And you can also RSVP to Leanne. Pregnancy Health Center resident needs as posted in a bulletin board in the fellowship hall. At this time, I would like to welcome, to in, uh, invite uh, Aiden, who is going to share with, with us about some exciting things happening. Hi, um, my name is Aiden. I'm a member of the Boys for Christ, which is a Christian club at the Rice Lake High School. And um, We'd like to share with you that we've got a, an event, um, August 16th, this Wednesday. We're bringing a band from, I think it's the cities, they're called Sonar Worship, and we're going to have some speakers, it's from 6 to 10, Wednesday night. Um, 
it's going to be a lot of fun. We'd like to ask everyone in the community if they are willing to come to come. This has been a really tough year for our school, and we've done, God has allowed us to do a lot of great things to help with that, like the prayer walk that was hosted. We were able to give gifts to the some nursing homes this year as well and make blankets for Benjamin's house. And we'd just really appreciate it if everyone who could make it to that event and just be there to help out. And we want everyone from the community is welcome, even if they're not a part of the high school, if they're not a part of this Rice Lake. Um, and yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Aiden, and uh, hoping as many of us will be able to support our students and our community. As Aiden has said, we've had a really rough year with things that all of us probably know what has been happening. So I'm hoping that many of us will be there on Wednesday for that. Um, a few months ago, towards I think the beginning of this year, we kind of transitioned into one service, which is this particular service. And then after that, we've been having discipleship group and Sunday school. And it's been exciting just to see the church with you know, all of us together, gathered together. But we had said that that was going to be for a season, and we were going to evaluate and see how things are going. This week, the elder, elders met and... Uh, prayed about it and sought the Lord and we kind of feel the Lord is leading us to make some changes again for a season and always we are we want we are always assessing things to see what works and what you know so what we elders decided is that starting September 10th we are going to go to two services but wait a minute we're not going to scratch we're not going to do away with the discipleship group because this is going to be the schedule. First service is going to start at 8.45, not 9 o'clock. Today started at 9 o'clock. So remember, starting September 10th, what time do you start the first service? 8.45. Oh, you guys are so good. Amazing. I'm so... 8.45. Then at... Oh, this, this one nobody will ever forget because it's donuts. Donuts and coffee starts at 9.45. So anyway, service from 8.45 to 9.45 and then donuts and coffee in the fellowship hall. Then at 10.30, we're going to have the second service. And at the same time, at the same time, we're going to be having the discipleship groups and Sunday school in the ministry center. Does that make sense to everybody? So any questions? If you have any questions, or if you have any concerns, feel free to talk to one of the pastors or the elders. And I think that's, I think I've made all the announcements. Anything I'm forgetting? I don't think so. Okay, I'm gonna invite Pastor Cody to come and uh, share God's word with us. Thanks, OG. This one. Well, I, yeah, I'll, I'll take it for your daughter. So this summer, we've had the privilege of having many missionaries join us, sharing about what they've been doing as we connect with missionaries who share the gospel around this world and the different aspects of their ministry. At this time, Kayla, where are you there, is going to come up and share about what she's been doing, and we're excited about this. So give her a hand as she comes up and shares. Thank you. 
Okay. So, in December of 2022, my team of four girls, so there's Kirby on the left, Olivia, Isabel, and I, as well as our translator and a local pastor, made our way to the Bajau community. We walked through the raised bamboo huts, hanging above a growing expanse of trash, washed in from the ocean, balancing on the elevated wooden beams, connecting the huts to each other. I was amazed at how the kids were able to just run past or run on the wooden beams while we just hesitantly made our way across to the other side, um, just hoping that we wouldn't fall because that would be painful. <laughs> so, um, yeah, when we finally arrived at the center of the bar barangay, which is marked by a large concrete uh, stage, two of my classmates, Olivia and Isabel, gathered all the children and taught them songs in Visaya with the help of our translator. So Visaya is the local language in my area. And Kirby and I, during that time, we uh, like made beds for prenatal beds out of bamboos uh, and just awaited the soon-to-be mothers. And so, yeah, for hours that day, we occupied this stage uh, with the sound of fetal heart tones and singing children, so it was fun. And yeah, it did not take long for us to see just what God was doing in the Tambakan Bajau community. Um, already the following day, we were welcomed by those same kids um, singing the songs that we had taught them the previous day. And, and yeah, it was <laughs> really fun. A lady, okay, a lady also approached me at one point and she said these words. No one has ever touched me without gloves before. So yeah, this honestly brought me to tears and yeah, I couldn't help but just be reminded that this is exactly the kind of people that Jesus served during his earthly ministry. Um, yeah, to the outcasts, to the people that live amongst um, piles of trash and who have nowhere to wash. And yeah, just to the people whom no one else will touch. Um, this is exactly where Jesus would come. So, yeah. If uh, you do not know me already, my name is Kayla Odor. I am the daughter of Otieno and Barbara, Odor's second-born daughter. <laughs> and I am currently a student's midwife serving in Davao, Philippines, so that is the sign, at Mercy Maternity Center. So it's a birthing clinic in Davao City, so. The next picture is, yeah, that is my entire team at Mercy. So we have the, hopefully everyone can see, the clerks, there are the cleaning staff, the guards, as well as volunteer missionary, or volunteer midwives and local midwives. So we're a fun team right there. <laughs> and we just have the privilege of welcoming hundreds of family just weekly and being able to serve them through prenatal care and just their, throughout their pregnancy. So that's what we do at Mercy. Also, fun fact, I think it's the next picture. <laughs> um, in July, I actually got to catch the 
31,000, or to deliver the 31,000 baby and welcome her into this world. So it's, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably should mention the 31,000 since the opening of the, <laughs> of the, um, the establishment or the building. So yeah, that is Mam Florimane and her husband with the basket in his hands and their little baby girl that they got to welcome. So that was really special. And so yeah, Mercy Maternity Center also values caring for the, or helping the women who cannot necessarily make it to our establishment. So twice a week, a team of midwives from Mercy are actually sent out um, to those communities to offer maternity care. So it's honestly such a, just a joy to be able to walk alongside these women and, and their families and just be able to pray for them and pray with them and just be able to overall share the boundless love of Christ with them. So, yeah. I am also so grateful to have found a local church, an incredible local church in um, Davao, which also values serving the, um, our neighbors in need. So, yeah, there are so many opportunity, ministry opportunities with the church, such as um, they have community and med um, medical outreaches, as well as like uh, weekly kids programs. So one, yeah, one ministry in particular that I really enjoy is the cemetery ministry, actually. So for those who don't know, there are um, large com slum communities of people that live in graveyards in the, throughout the Philippines in cities mostly and, oh yeah, in cities. And yeah, just one of my favorite aspects specifically of this ministry is, oh sorry, I'm sorry to keep this, is, um, is just their abundant love for the people and particularly their desire to train up children in the way they should go. So to close, I just want to share the story of this boy on the right in the yellow. So I'll just call him Cedric for the sake of this story. And so yeah, Cedric is actually one of the, um, one of the cemetery kids. They all are in this picture, but he is one of them that is actually bused to our church every week. And yeah, his, just his love for the... Lord is truly inspiring and encouraging to everyone that he meets. So Cedric, at a young age, he was actually attacked and which left him blind in his eye and very, he can't really see much with his other eye. So yeah, we can only imagine how, how difficult his upbringing must have been, especially growing up in the cemetery and yeah, just very difficult. But this boy just radiated the, uh, Sorry, this boy radiates so much joy and just hope that honestly can only be found in Christ and it's just so, so beautiful. So he actually also, so he faithfully listens to the word every day and he's also began, like started speaking at church. So yeah, it's just amazing. So this also kind of serves as just, uh, I hope this encourages even the younger, just whatever age you are, like you could be in elementary school, middle school, high school, like the Lord can use you in wonderful ways. And yeah, just hope that serves as an encouragement. But 
So yeah, Cedric's story is just one in hundreds of other stories of how God is working in those communities. And so yeah, not only, do, not only does he use people from different countries to participate in his work, but he also uses the people who are right there to advance his kingdom. And yeah, that is just... So I hope that this serves as an encouragement to um, all of us just to remember that when we leave this building, just like the sign in the back says, you are about to enter your mission field. And yeah, it's just... So yeah, I can honestly stand up here and talk for hours about how God is working in the Philippines, but I'll just keep this short. <laughs> so, um, but I will be... I will have a little booth in the table where if you have any questions or just want to hear more about how God is working in that ministry, um, I'd be more than happy to share. And I also have a sign-up sheet if you would like to receive my newsletters. I send out newsletters, so yeah. So just thank you so much, Maranatha family, just for all of your support and um, just for your prayers. And yeah, really means a lot, so thank you. I'm going to pray for you. Let's take a moment and just pray for that ministry right now. Father God, we come before you and we thank you so much for Kayla and just how you've used her to touch people who don't know the love of God. There's a darkness in this world. There's a depravity that is around us. Yet also greater is the light of Christ shining forth in the different ministries and the different people that love you and know you and we pray you protect her use her in the different ministries as she reaches out primarily in the ministry with the birthing center but also just breaks her heart to think of the cemetery people so anoint her use her and lord also we pray for this coming wednesday as aiden has shared there's a movement of the lord here in rice lake among the students we support that we pray that it would encourage them to be a beacon of light to this dying world. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen. So it is very important to know what you believe and know what is truth and what is not truth. To know what to receive as truth and to know what is wrong and rejected and honestly it may cost you your life so let me give an example al larson is here come on up al thanks for coming to help me out he's like oh boy here we go al is one of the guys who takes care of our buildings he's one of the smartest guys i know so i'm going to have him help me in this but i don't want him to do this alone so dan come on up help him out so what i'm going to do is this gentlemen if you guys could stand right here Al, I'm going to have you take one drink of one of these that I'm going to fill up soon, okay? Three different glasses, but I want you to also consult your friend. Dan's a smart guy. He works at Tractor Central. He knows machinery. He knows a bunch of stuff. He knows what would be good to drink and not to drink. And I'm pretty sure you know what's good to drink and not to drink too. So I want you to drink what's best for you. But right now I want you to close your eyes, okay? All right, close your eyes. No peeking. All right, here we go. So the audience can see what we have here, right? Do, do, do. There we go. I'm going to hide each of these. 
All right, next one. Oh, <laughs> didn't expect that. All right. Ooh, how am I going to hide that mess? Oh, the audience is fine. Don't worry about them. Okay. Okay. Keep uh, your eyes closed, please. All right, gentlemen, you may open your eyes. Al, come on up. You guys can look. You can smell even each one. Consult with Dan. And Al, I want you to take a drink of one of those, please. Nicole, can you give me a, a wet rag, please? They all look appealing, don't they? All right. All right, have you, you're going to choose which one you're going to... Have you chosen which one you're going to drink? All right. Try it. Here we go. Get ready. All right, good job. You don't have to do anything. All right, give him a hand. Okay. Let me check his pulse. He's doing fine. All right. This was just pure water. Right? Right? You all saw this. This was like cherry coke or something. And this is antifreeze. Usually it's that like bright yellowish neon stuff that's a new kind. So never drink that, all right? Right? Never, never drink that. In fact, it used to be uh, something that was odorless and tasteless, but then they added something there so you'd make sure it's really gross to taste. So you're alive still. Thank you. And thanks for helping him out. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. So it is very important to know the difference between something good and something bad. I made a big mess here. All right. In life, today we're going to talk about and define what we believe, which is good for you. Truth is very important and very good for you, but we're also going to talk a little bit about what we reject. For instance, drinking water is very, very good. Drinking a Coke once in a while, fine. Unless you're a dentist or a diabetic, you can get the diet-free stuff, whatever, all that stuff. But never, never, we reject you drinking antifreeze, right? Kids never drink antifreeze. Very poisonous. There are dangers of not knowing what you believe. So let's pray before we get into the Word of God. Father God, I thank you for your word. It is truth. It is precious. It is sweeter than honey. It is purer than gold. And I thank you that in Scripture you teach us what is right, what is right living, and what to do. And you also teach us what to reject to protect us. So Spirit of God, I pray that you would just guide us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, take your Bibles and go to Philippians. We are in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you. Or some of you are hip and cool and have it on your phones. We're going to do Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to jump all the way down to 15 through 19. 
We briefly covered 1 and 2. I said we'd get back to it. And then we took time looking at verses 4 through 9. And then last week, Ben covered the last part of that 10 through 14. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Verse 1, Philippians chapter 3, 1. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evil doolers, who those... Again, it's not just dogs like we got to be careful for dogs. How many of you have dogs in the room here that you have dogs at home? Okay, yeah, it's not saying that. The mutilators of the flesh. He explains what these people are. Let's jump to verse 15. All of us then who are mature should take such view of things. And if on some point you think differently that to God would make it clear to you. Only let us live up to what you have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just so you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So what Paul is doing at this time is he's addressing some of his opponents and some of the opponents of the church and the Christian faith. Who are some of Paul's opponents? What I've done is I've looked at chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, and I've found four different types of opponents that he has. Some, the first group, are preachers who want to stir up things for Paul. This is found in chapter 1. 15 through 17. He's going, you know, there's some people they've got the wrong ambition, the wrong motive. They're decisive, you know, they're they're causing problems within the church. They're not false teachers. They just have the wrong motive. The second group, Paul speaks of Roman opponents who are trying to frighten Christians. And this is in also chapter 1, chapter 2, starting with verse chapter 127 and following a couple verses. These are, this is the world. These are Roman opponents who are frightening them, saying, guess what? If you continue this lifestyle, we'll throw you in prison. We'll put you in jail. Pagan persecution and intimidation. That's another one of the oppositions that Paul is facing. There's two more troublemakers, you could say, that are within the church listed in our section today. The first one are Christians, both ethnic Jewish and Gentile, primarily mainly more Jewish, but they're leading mainly new Gentile Christians to follow Jewish rules and regulations. This is found in verse 2 and the whole book of Galatians. The second group are Gentile Christians who are living or walking as enemies of the cross, for they are walking the way of the world. And this is primarily found in chapter 3, 18 and 19. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at these two types of oppression. These two types of oppressors, I, I should say, who are against the church. And Paul wants to safeguard them from them. That's why we had Dan help Al. Don't drink the antifreeze. Al probably knew by that smell what that was. But Paul wants to safeguard them, safeguard the people in the church. 
And he shares, for there is great danger in false teachers or drinking the wrong Kool-Aid would be the phrase to say it today. Don't do it. Don't fall prey to them. And the word safeguard here also speaks of spiritual stability, being firm theologically. The warnings that are needed to save them from theological chaos. Thus, it's important to be spiritually and doctrinally sound in the Word. So we're going to take some time this morning and look at defining and what it means to understand the Gospel, to understand theology and Bible doctrine, and why we must stick to the Gospel message. We must know this Word or you could be drinking the wrong stuff and it could lead to serious problems. So let's define a couple words. Gospel. The Greek word gospel is euangelion, which is good news. The gospel is the good news. The gospel story is the good news and the main message of the Bible, both old and new. The unfolding story of Jesus who reveals the Father and reconciles those who have faith in Him. I love how 1 Corinthians 15 says, Christ died for our sins. Five words according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel message. Theology. Now once in a while we hear this word theology. What does theology mean? Theology is two words put together. Two Greek words. Theos, which means God. And ology, which means the study of, or the discipline of, or the discourse of. So theology is the study of the things of God. Putting those two together, the gospel story answers man's basic questions in theological ways. <clears throat> so let me give you an example here of some of the books I would encourage you to get. I've got two books here. Well, I forgot to grab the other book. It's in Aaron's office. I would encourage you to get some type of theology book. This is one by Wayne Grudem. He's got systematic theology, which is a lot thicker, has less pictures. This one has a couple more pictures in it for you. This is like the college edition. This is called Bible Doctrine. I would encourage you to get a book like this. Get a good sound book. And if you want to even get more serious, this is more specific. This just all talks about the theology, both Old and New Testament, on Christ and the cross. <clears throat> Putting those together, for instance, in Wayne Grudem's theology there, he's got many chapters that answer these things. The Gospel story answers man's basic questions in theological ways. What is the context of salvation? And most theology books begin with creation. That's where our Bibles begin with creation, the study of creation. Who is this God that saves us? And in some of the deeper theology books, it talks about theology proper, which is the study of God, or Christology, which is the study of Christ and the study of the Holy Spirit. The essence of who He is and what He is about and what he is like. Then another question that we need to answer is, what is the problem? What is man's basic problem? Sin. The study of sin. And that's called harmatology. Why is there evil in the world? And a lot of these books help us by looking at Scripture and understanding what is the problem of sin. Then out of that, what is salvation? And that's called soteriology. That's the study of the cross. That one book I have there, I've got piles of books. That's my favorite thing to study. 
And then there's who is being saved. And that talks about the church, ecclesiology. It talks about Israel in the Old Testament, the church now in the New Testament. And how are the saved people of God, how are they to live? And that's ethics. And what is the future of the saved? And that's the end times, the study of the end times is eschatology. Life after death. And then often at times, they throw in, some of the theology throw in, how do we know what is true? And that's hermeneutics, apologetics. How do we know truly what is true? What are the central beliefs and core doctrines of Christianity? And this is very important for us. We need to know the absolute truths. Doctrine means teaching. So often we have books on doctrine. This is exactly what Christians believe. Statements of faith and creeds are the summary of doctrines, theological convictions, and the confessions of our shared testimony. So for instance, we as a church, we are part of the Evangelical Free Church of America. And we have a statement of faith. Has anyone here ever read our statement of faith? I would encourage you to read it. In fact, here's what I'm proud of about our statement of faith. I can guarantee that I take our ten statements that we have about God, about Jesus, about sin, about humanity, about salvation, about the Word of God, and all these things, that the core things. I can take our statement of faith to 95% of the churches in our town, and everyone would say, yep, I believe that. This is what we believe as Christians. In fact, there's this great book called Evangelical Convictions. This is a theological exposition on the statement of faith of the Evangelical Free Church of America. So doctrines are things that we believe. But what would you say are the core things every Christian should believe? Probably should have put this list on the screen, but here's some of the main things. The Bible is the Word of God in final authority, right? This is our authority. God is three equally divine persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All of humanity has sinned. Amen? Faith in Jesus is our only hope for salvation. The sacrificial death And the bodily resurrection of Jesus is an actual fact. The return of Jesus is another thing. These are the core, cardinal, fundamental beliefs of Christianity. These are the core things. These are the major doctrines. But we also have minor doctrines. And that usually defines how different churches have denominations. So for instance, we might be a little bit different with the Baptists and the Lutherans and the Methodists and the Wesleyans. Excuse me. I'm going to get a drink of something here. Al, this is the good stuff to drink, right? Okay, yeah, okay. So for instance, let me give you an example. These are a couple books I have where these are minor doctrines. You've got to believe the major things. You've got to know what is true. But the minor things, I believe it's okay to differ in. For instance, predestination and free will. Predestination is in the Bible. Also, free will is in the Bible. How you understand that, your brain can pop. It's a hard concept. But people believe different things on that. And you know what? That's a minor doctrine. That's, that's fine. Women in ministry. 
Some churches have women as pastors. Some churches do not. I believe, let me throw this out there, I believe every woman should be in ministry, right? Yeah. But there's different views on the role of women in ministry. Or spirit baptism. There's different views on spirit baptism and what that means. Even within this church. And that's okay because those are minor doctrines compared to the major things. We may differ in the minor doctrines, for instance, with the Assemblies of God Church down the road. I love Pastor Allen. He's one of my best friends. We differ in minor things, but in the major things, we're all about Jesus, right? Here's a great line that came up, I believe, during the Reformation. In essentials, in the main things that we believe, unity. we got to have unity in the main things. That's why we are friends with Red Cedar Church. That's why we're friends with the Methodist Church. That's why we're friends with Pastor Allen. We're friends with Pastor Steve at the Providence Reformed Baptist Church. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, or the minor doctrines, liberty. In all things, charity or love. Does that make sense? We should be tolerant of people with different theological persuasions. Dispensational, charismatic, reformed. There are certain core beliefs that we must truly believe. Especially when they pertain to the doctrine of salvation. For instance, women in ministry really doesn't pertain to the doctrine of salvation, but the understanding the Word of God, understanding who Jesus is, having faith in Him, that is what's important. Understanding salvation by grace through faith alone, through the atoning sacrifice. And that's what Paul's dealing with right here. In much of the writings, we read Paul's great teaching where he gives, this is what you should believe. In fact, Philippians chapter 2, remember? Verses 5 through 11. This is who Jesus is. But also, having ignorance of Christian doctrine produces weak churches and is a danger for a walk in Christ. In this section, he shares what we must reject. This is what is called heresy. So I wrote a simple definition. Heresy is false teaching within the church about, the fundament, about a fundamental truth of the Christian faith of Jesus. So in verse 2, Paul says, watch out. Take a look at verse 2. Watch out. It's a warning that something is hazardous. So Al was up here. We had water. We had coke. And we had the stuff that's very, very dangerous. Watch out for that. That's why we had Dan to make sure don't drink that Al. Christians, both ethnic Jews and Gentiles, were leading mainly new Gentile Christians to follow Jewish rules and regulations. And they were called Judaizers. So Paul is saying, look out for these people. In fact, in Galatians, he calls them Judaizers. He confronts Peter. Because Peter is forcing Gentile Christians to follow Jewish laws. There are some who taught a blend of God's grace and human effort. Well, let's put those two together and you'll be fine. In order to be a Christian, to be truly right with God and be welcomed, you must conform to Old Testament law and follow circumcision and dietary rules. And that's what they were teaching. That was necessary for salvation. And Paul's going, ah, that is a false 
doctrine. That's heresy. In fact, Acts chapter 15 and the whole book of Galatians warns people don't fall into the trap of this. Jesus plus something else. You can never have Jesus plus works. Jesus plus baptism. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus dress up and be at church every Sunday. Then God will accept you. Galatians 2 16 says a person is not justified by the works of the law but by faith in Jesus Christ the Bible is very clear that any attempt to add human works to God's grace ignores the very meaning of grace it is Christ alone never Christ plus something else To add anything to the work of Christ, what He did for salvation is to negate God's grace. And we are saved by grace alone through faith alone, not by doing something. So here Paul is saying, be careful. Watch out for these people who are saying, now that you're a Christian, now add all these other rules and then you'll be fully accepted. The idea of work-based salvation and the concept That's a concept in almost every world religion. Do something to appease the gods. Do something so that way you are accepted. It's natural for us to think of that way, to do an exchange for work like a business exchange for God. There must be something to be done to pay off the debt that we owe. We are sinners, we failed, so something must be paid and I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to look better. I'm going to do nicer things and work for it. I owe God. And some think the way to get to heaven, that's the way to do it. Because good people go to heaven, right? I mean, you got to be good. That's the best way to do it. In fact, some of these people are even in our church maybe today. You may think, I haven't committed murder. Anybody here committed? No, I'm not going to ask you to commit murder. Although I try to kill as many deer as I can during hunting season. Well, I haven't committed murder. I haven't gone to a bank and stole a bunch of stuff. I'm a good person. Like the Judaizers, these people create a false standard of salvation, corrupting the gospel message, insulting Christ's perfect work on the cross. You cannot do it comma but someone has done it for us amen that's the beauty of the cross and i know of two churches in rice lake that teach a doctrine similar to that of this judaizer a mixed doctrine of works and grace sabbath keeping baptism confession these are not a way to earn the grace of god The problem is the idea is both it's false and deadly. You cannot add anything to the finished work of Christ. He has done it for us. That is why we must have good theology and biblical teaching. And that's why we at church were always anchored in the cross teaching you this is the only way. Now the second group of troublemakers were found in the last part. 
These are Gentile Christians who are living, walking as enemies of the cross for they are walking in the way of the world, primarily found in chapter 3, 18 and 19. Paul teaches to follow his example. How he thinks. And if they differ in the mindset, they should seek a mature mindset. For the less mature, God will clear it up. Verse 15. And for the mature, they should live up to what they have attained. Verse 16. And then in verse 17, he calls them to follow his example of Christ-like living, which I will cover that section as we did in chapter 4. Paul then turns to verses 18 and 19. Certain models or people that we should never copy. Follow Paul's example. Think like him, but don't think like these worldly people. This is another group that poses a danger to the church within the church. Not outside of the church, but within the church. It's not what they are teaching per se. They're not like major false teachers. But instead, it's the emphasis on their lifestyle and how they walk and how they live it out. Their walking behavior made them enemies of the cross. And this is a very important principle. Right teaching that fails to produce right living is a disgrace to God. Woo! It's very dangerous. You can come to a church that teaches all great biblical stuff, have all be theologically sound, I'm very proud of Pastor Tony. He is now taking um, some training and he's, he's been studying to be ordained. He's going to be, he is already theologically sound, but he's going to be ordained through the free church as theologically sound. We have that. And you might be theologically sound, but if your walk is very different, that is a disgrace to God. God demands that correct belief be lived out in practice. Our theology must influence our lifestyle. People who claim to know Christ but fail to live accordingly are enemies of the cross. Paul gives four characteristics of the terrible danger trying to both live as a Christ follower and as a person of the world. Or as Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. Yet that's exactly what they are doing and many Christians today are trying to do. The first one is their destiny is their destruction. Self-indulgent people are headed to the grave. Their worldly behavior has made them enemies of the cross. And they're going to get punishment for that. Or their God is their stomach. This refers to the fleshly desires. It's not like, okay, just food. But it's their fleshly desires and self-centered lifestyles. It's not their eating habits, it's a play on words because their appetites in general are nasty. They're, they're senseless lifestyle. And they're going for the things of the world. Their worship is not set on God, but on whatever makes them feel good and pleases them. The third one, the glo their glory is their shame. Glory is another term for boasting. Paul, multiple times, has said, I boast in the Lord. I boast in Christ. Here is the opposite. They're boasting in themselves. In their self-indulgent pleasures. They pretend to be right with God. I go to church, I'm all nice and cleaned up. But on the inside, 
their horrible heart is eating away and it's lived out by what they pursue. Their actions are completely shameful. Their mindset is set on earthly things is the end here. Their senseless and sensual appetites, their shameful deeds will find their end because they're living for the things of the world. I'm excited about next Sunday because if you look ahead, the next couple verses are wonderful about putting your mind on the right things. We must choose between earthly pleasures which fail so quickly compared to the heavenly prize which is eternal. So let me end with giving you three reasons why we need to have good thinking and good theology so you know the right things to drink. You know what to reject. In fact, this unique book I have on my shelf, Heresies and How to Avoid Them. I almost should give this to a couple churches I know. Or some pastors I know. Why we need good biblical teaching and theology. It helps us know God and love Him more. Learning the understanding of who God is, the beauty of salvation, that you cannot do it, that helps us know God more and love Him more. It transforms our walk with Him. Jesus said to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Sometimes we think, oh, loving God is just all about emotions and, and, and great and put worship songs on and stuff, but it's also with your mind. I encourage you, get Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. Start working through it. God wants you to know Him on every level. And of course, the mind. Be thoughtful of Christian doctrine. But we are not saved by knowledge alone. For even the demons believe in God, and they're not going to heaven. So knowledge alone doesn't save you. Secondly, it helps us grow in God and love Him more. So we need to know Him, but we can grow in Him. Understanding the importance of Christian theology leads to Christian living. This is how I must live and apply it to my life. Walk in holy ways. Forsake sinful ways. Relying on the facts of doctrine can help you overcome doubt and unbelief. Christian theology is to inform how we live out our lives. And lastly is this. It helps us show the beauty of God and love Him more. I'm excited that we have gone through the book of the Gospel of Mark. This is what a disciple is. Now we're going through Philippians. This is how we should live. Does anybody remember what the next book we're doing? The book of Acts. This is how we must be a witness to the world. Good theology helps us show the beauty of God and love Him more. Theology doesn't stop because the Gospel doesn't stop just with you. The Gospel just doesn't stop within these walls here, right? It must be lived out to the dying world. God is the God of salvation, reconciliation, and proclamation of His good news. And it's important for us to tell others of the beauty of God that has been revealed through Jesus Christ. We don't want to just know about God. We want to show the beauty of God.
And I'm excited about doing that in the book of Acts and as our church does that weekly. Good theology is not finally about debating what position you believe on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and uh, if, if someone can drink a beer or not or if you can have a smoke machine on the stage or what your view of women in ministry is. Good, true theology isn't about debate. It's about knowing God and mission. Amen? So know what you believe and know what we must reject. It is never Jesus plus something else. It's Christ alone. And when we see the beauty of what God has done to save us through Him, not our own, our worship becomes more full and our mission becomes greater. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. Again, it is faithful and true. Lord, I pray that You continue to help us to know what is right and know what is wrong. Know what we should accept and know what we should reject. As Paul warns us to be careful of those who try to add Jesus plus a bunch of other regulations so that God can love you. God loves us through His Son. And salvation is found in Christ alone. To those who confess and have faith in Him alone. So help us be good stewards of the Word. And I pray that You protect our church from those within that might want to sway us a different way. Help us be centered on the Gospel. I pray for the other churches in Rice Lake. May they be all about exalting Jesus. And there's a few churches that have, I believe, some problems. I pray You bring them to You as You've brought us to You. Help us keep our fingers in the Word and our eyes on the prize. You, Jesus Christ. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.